0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: You know that we left off with Jesus telling the disciples to go deep into the waters and drop their nets and they would catch some fish. When they let down their nets, they caught so many fish that their nets began to break and the boats almost sunk. And I believe, honestly, I really believe the boats would have sunk if Jesus were not in them. But he was in the boat and the boat didn't sink. So Jesus said, okay, you used to catch live fish and then they die. Now you will be fishers of men and you're going to catch dead fish and they will live. Anybody with me? Okay, for those of you that are not, the dead fish would be you. Now is anybody with me? Because we were all born dead in our trespasses and sins. But when you receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and now you become alive in Christ. Now is anybody with me? Amen. Amen. You can clap. There you go. Hallelujah. And then at the call of Jesus, are you listening? They left their occupations and they followed him. This brings us to verse 12 of chapter 5. As we move along with Jesus, my sermon title today is The Cleansing of the Leper. There it is, The Cleansing of the Leper. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, we'll read right back through verse 16 and come back and have some comments. Luke chapter 5, look at verse 12, if you're looking at it saying, say amen. And it happened in verse 12, when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was Partially full of leprosy. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? He was full of leprosy. Very important. This man full of leprosy, he saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and he implored or begged him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then he put out his hand and touched him saying, what did he say, saints? Be cleansed. I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And a great multitude came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. You know, you've been with us. You know that Luke is a doctor. And being a doctor, Luke has a very scientific mind. Being a doctor... Having a scientific mind, Luke is very detailed and very specific. And notice Dr. Luke tells us that there was a man who was full of leprosy. That means, if you're taking notes, that means that this man was in the latter stages of leprosy and he was covered from head to toe. Now, I realize that leprosy is something that we only think about. Are you listening? Leprosy is something that we only think about when we read the Gospels or when we watch the movie Ben-Hur. Now, for some of y'all young whippersnappers, y'all don't even know what that movie is. It's an older movie. And in the movie Ben-Hur, anybody remember the movie Ben-Hur? Just say Okay, I figured I knew half the audience would and half would not. And, uh, but the movie Ben-Hur, in the movie, you know, as his mom and his sister were healed of leprosy. But largely, listen, leprosy isn't something that comes close to your life. But did you know that in the world today, get this, 10 to 15 million people in the world suffer with leprosy? Did you know that 5,000 people are located in the United States with leprosy? Didn't know that. In the medical world, the medical community, leprosy is known as Hansen's disease. And it's called Hansen's disease because there was a man named Hansen who came up with a treatment that, watch this, arrested the progress of leprosy but it didn't cure it. Arrested the progress, but it didn't cure. Now we need to understand that in Jesus' day, of course you know this, that there were no treatments, no drugs, no therapy, no MRIs, no CAT scans for leprosy. Nothing available to arrest the progress. Leprosy was a dangerous, deadly disease. And if you had leprosy, you were considered dead while you were alive. Of all of the things, get this, Of all the things that were considered unclean, leprosy was considered the most unclean thing that could happen. The Jewish leaders of Jesus, day considered leprosy the finger of God because they thought it to be God's judgment on secret sin. Now here's where you might wanna take some notes. The word leper, singular, leper, is used 17 times in the Bible and you will find it four times in the New Testament. The word lepers, plural, is used six times in the Bible, five times you will find in the New Testament. Leprosy, the disease, is used 39 times in the Bible and four times in the New Testament. And 31, get this, 31 of the 39 times the word leprosy is used, it's found in Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the effects of leprosy physically and socially. First of all, physically. Physically, leprosy starts small in one part of the body and then it spreads out over the entire body with sores. Physically, the skin loses its color and it becomes blotched and scaly. The body becomes ulcerated. It is said that you could smell a leper a hundred feet away. The eyebrows would often fall out, sometimes blindness. It begins to affect the nervous system and kills the nerve endings and you can't feel anything. And you could put your hand in a fire if you had leprosy. You could put your hand in a fire and not even feel it burn. You could hit your hand against something and break off fingers and not even feel it. And that's why when you see a movie like Ben-Hur or you see uh, pictures of people who are leprous, they have their limbs, if you'll note this, and you will from this day forward, they have their limbs, their hands wrapped and their feet wrapped. They might even have their whole body wrapped because they're covered in sores and their skin is peeling off oftentimes and blotched and, and it's really ugly. But particularly their hands And their arms and their feet and their legs will be wrapped because it is understood that your extremities on your body get cold because of where they're located. They're extreme. They're your extremities. And they get colder. I mean, when you get cold, your hands get cold and your feet get cold. And if your hands get cold, I don't know about you, but if my feet get cold, I am cold. I'm cold all over. If my feet get cold, my feet get wet or get cold. So they would wrap their extremities in in, in wrapping it in gauze because at night, get this, the rats would come and eat their hands and feet and they wouldn't even know it. Why? Because their nerves are dead. Some people call leprosy a painless hell. There's a terrible smell from a person with leprosy, and no one wanted to be around them. It usually lasts about nine years, and then a coma would set in, and then death, physically. Number two, socially, the leper was ostracized from society and forced to live in a leper colony. Leviticus chapter thirteen. You might want to read this in your own time if you need a sleep aid. Don't take Ambien CR. Just read Leviticus, read the book. I guarantee you, first word, it's a strange effect on you. But Leviticus chapter 13, in the context of what we're talking about, it is quite interesting. In Leviticus chapter 13, it says, all of the days that he, the leper, is unclean, he should dwell alone outside the camp. So the leper was forced to live in a leopard colony. He had no friends, no family, no loved ones, no girlfriend, no boyfriend, no job, no one. He was isolated from the community, isolated from church. If his mother and father died, he couldn't go to the funeral. When a leper comes within six feet of any person, he was required by law to say, unclean, 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 and people would flee. This disease was like AIDS. AIDS. Like no one wants to get AIDS. No one wanted to get leprosy. So here in our context, saints, listen, here's the scene. A man comes full of leprosy. He saw Jesus and probably started running to him, screaming, unclean, unclean, unclean. And here's the white space or a sanctified imagination. When this man is running to Jesus saying, unclean, unclean, everyone who was within 100 feet of that man, they scattered except one man. And what's his name? Ah, you got it. Jesus, stay there. Now, Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14. Listen, I found this to be interesting. Interesting. Of Leviticus 13 and 14 are the only chapters in the Bible given to a disease. Chapter 13 and chapter 14 are given to a disease, leprosy. And there were plenty of diseases in the Bible, spoken of in the Bible. People suffered with palsy, people suffer with blindness, people suffer with many diseases, but the only disease in the Bible that strictly is given a lot of print is leprosy. Well, then that forces us to ask why? Well, I believe it's because leprosy in the Bible, listen, is a type, a picture, a illustration of what? Anybody know? Sin. Sin. Very good. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin in three ways. Let me give them to you, note takers, if you're taking notes. Number one, sin like leprosy. Listen close. Sin like leprosy starts small, undetected, below the surface of the skin, and it begins to spread, and it it affects the entire body. In our lives, sin can be can have a very small beginning. Matter of fact, let me just correct myself. Sin always has a small beginning. And if not dealt with, it will grow and grow and grow and get worse and get worse and get worse until it kills you. And that's why the Bible says, the wages of sin, somebody help me, the wages of sin is death. Because sin kills, that's why God tells you don't do it. You know some some people think that God is the cosmic killjoy. God just doesn't want us to have any fun. Can I tell you something? Sin is fun. Now, how many preachers you know will say that from the pulpit? Sin, don't take, don't get this wrong. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and do it. I'm just telling you the truth is sin is fun. It is fun to sin. It is fun to sin. Somebody say amen. Y'all in church and all holy, I understand, but you know it is because you do it every day. It's fun to sin for a season. Sin is fun, but sin comes with a cost. There's a price to pay for your sin. Uh, Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, And there's a price to pay for your sin, but it's fun for a season. That's why God says don't do it. That's why God says to even avoid the very appearance of it. Don't get involved in it because sin starts very, very small. And then it leads you, leads you, leads you, draw you, draw you, draw you until it brings you to death. The wages of sin is death. I was in Philadelphia this past week with Pastor Kerry and Hepzibah. We're walking downtown Philadelphia, which by the way, I got him a pretzel. I love me some pretzels. On one of the stands in Philly. You ain't had a pretzel until you had one in Philly on the corner. A Chestnut and walnut. That was a Holy Spirit moment. I'm sorry. I just bring it in. walking on the street saw this homeless person alcoholic obviously and laying in the street laying in the gutter and I thought to myself you know that guy this occurred to me this is where I wrote this part from that guy his life at one point was just like yours and just like mine I'm sure he grew up, he had a normal childhood. I'm I'm pretty confident, certainly he had a regular childhood, grew up, whatever, just like everybody else, went through life, just like everybody else. But one day he took one drink. And one drink led to two. And two drinks led to four. And before you know it, he was drinking every day. And then he was drinking every day of the month. And then he was drinking every day of the year. And before you realize it, it's 20 years later, he's lost his family, he's lost his job, he's lost his home, he's lost his clothes. And all he is doing right now is laying in the gutter. Listen, that alcoholism began small with one drink. And if not for the grace of God, there go I. Because I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. I'm not ashamed to say that. I am not ashamed to say that. You know why? Because I look at my life, and my life speaks of the glory of God. My life speaks of the fact that God is an awesome God. Because Rodney, hear me, Rodney's supposed to be a statistic. I'm from the hood, y'all. Now, so for some of you who don't know what the hood is... But, The hood is not a nice place. Y'all look at me like, hood? What is, what's, what's hood? Not a nice place. And I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. And one, smoking one joint led to something else, led to something else, led to harder drugs, led to drinking, led to I missed junior high, high school. I don't remember. Led to, I think I'll go in the Navy because I want to go to Japan. That was either the drugs or the spirit. I don't know. But that's how I went to the military. I sat up in my bed one morning. I said, I'm going to Japan. I told my wife, I told my, my wife, I wasn't married at 17. <laughs> I got married young, but not that young. And uh, I told my mom. I said, mom, I'm going, in, I'm going, in, I'm going to Japan. She said, boy, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, what are you talking about, Willis? Boy, what are you talking about? I said, I'm, I'm going, to, I'm, I just feel like I'm going to Japan. Went and joined the Navy, and guess where my first duty station was? Okinawa, Japan. And the week before I went to Japan, I gave my life to Jesus. So I missed all the junior high, high school. I didn't get saved until I was 21 years old. But I missed many, many, many years. It all started with just one joint one sin begins small like leprosy are y'all tracking with me sin begins small like leprosy but it will spread and ultimately defiles and deadens and destroys number two sin is like leprosy because watch this it desensitizes a person are you listening it desensitizes a person. The longer a person continues in sin, the more they lose sensitivity about that sin. So they reach a point like the leper, they are past feeling. Well, this is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter four. You write that down. Ephesians four eighteen and 19. He said, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them who being past feeling, feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You see, when someone is past feeling about their sin, it's really hideous and they are being destroyed and they don't even know it. And might I even add an insert, our culture is being desensitized and our culture is being destroyed and many of us are oblivious to it and we don't even know it. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands, because that's the truth. Because that's the truth. Is that the truth? I'm coming down to 95. I've got the radio on. I'm turning because, you know, i got to stay awake, which would be a good thing if you're behind the wheel. And I'm turning the radio station because I like to just turn, turn, turn. It keeps me awake. It keeps me occupied. I'm by myself. It keeps me doing something. And I'm listening to this commercial and that commercial and this commercial and I'm driving by and I see this billboard and you turn on your television, you turn to this channel and that channel and don't you know this culture is so sin-saturated with sex and we're being desensitized to it. And you go to the magazine rack at the, at the Harris Teeter You can't even stand at the Harris Teeter line without being inundated with something sexual on the magazine rack. And they're selling chewing gum with a sexual connotation. Now, what in the world does Wrigley Spearmint chewing gum have to do with sex? (laughs) I mean, a girl chewing sex, shaving. Shaving. What in the world? Ain't nothing sexy about shaving, fellas. Say amen. Say amen ain't nothing sexy about shame you try to get that stuff off and roll but everything the culture is just being saturated and what's happening is our minds are being dulled and our sensitivity is being darkened and then you even have people parents in the church I know nobody here trust I understand that but nobody here but even in the church I've had people tell me that they believe that, well, you know, I, I, you know I, just, I just feel that it's important that if my child is going to, you know, have sexual activity, there was nothing we can do. We can't stop him. I mean, kids are kids. Nothing we can do about it. So, you know, we just get him the condoms and we tell him he needs to stay home because I'd rather him be in a safe environment than be out there and be in an unsafe environment. That's just Stupid. That's dumb. Let me tell you something. If you want to sin in my house, you can't. Wasn't that deep and theological? Ooh, that was good. I should have thought of that first and second. If you want to sin in my house, you can't. You need to sin out there. But I'm not going to give you the tools in order for you to commit sin and violate the laws of God. That'd be like me telling you, go ahead and stand on the train track and I'll catch you later. And I know the train is coming at this time, and I put you there just about 30 seconds before, and oh, okay, see you later. But we're being desensitized to what God calls right and wrong. I still believe, I'm sorry, don't shoot the messenger. I still believe that there is this thing called right, and there's this thing called wrong. Can I get a witness, anybody? I still believe that. How and I still believe that? That there's a right and there's a wrong. God's word is right and everybody else is wrong. And what God's word says that we ought to do and not allow the world to squeeze us into its mold and to push us into thinking the way that they think. I don't believe in safe sex and I don't believe in protected sex. I believe in sex during marriage and marriage only. Is there anybody who agrees with that? That's what God's word says. I don't don't believe the Bible says you need to live together. I I didn't say this first or second, so it's for y'all. I don't believe God's word says we need to live together, so we need to see how we get along, because, you know, it might not work out. God's word doesn't say that. God's word doesn't say that. If you love her, then marry her don't live with her and cause her to live in sin or cause him to live in sin and thus violate the laws of God and then want to get married in the church and ask God to bless it? How can God bless mess? How can he? That's what happens. I'm just telling you what happens. This is what I know. If you want to be blessed by God, then do things God's way. Y'all all right with that? If you ain't all right, you're going to be all right. Huh? Do things God's way. So sin is like leprosy it in a desensitizing that it desensitizes a person. And then finally, sin is like leprosy because it is humanly, watch this, incurable.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.